So Romans chapter 9 and verse 33. It says, as it is written, Behold, I lay in Zion a stumbling stone and rock of offense, and whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. Uh, now that that thank God for that that last uh, that last part of the of the statement that helps us to understand that this is talking about the person of Jesus Christ. But yeah, it, it uses some very strong terms. It says, "Behold, I lay in Zion." Uh, Romans chapter nine and verse thirty-three. Behold, I lay in Zion a stumbling stone and rock of offense. And whosoever believes on him shall not be ashamed. Uh, th- those are very strong terms to use to characterize uh, somebody like Jesus Christ. It calls him a stumbling stone or a stumbling block and a rock of offense. Uh, and we're gonna we're gonna look into a few things tonight, and I trust God to help us with light and speed. The word offense is from the Greek word skandalon, S-K-A-N-D-A-L-O-N. That's where we get the word scandal from, interestingly. Uh, so the word offense is from the word skandalon, and it means a trap, a snare, a cause of displeasure or sin, an occasion to fall, or to stumble. I'll take it again. The word offense is from the Greek word skandalon, S-K-A-N-D-A-L-O-N, which is where we get the word scandal from. And it means to entrap or to set a trap, uh, a snare, a cause of displeasure or sin, an occasion to fall, a stumbling, so uh, every time we use the word offend or offense, I, I want us to have all of this in our mind. Uh, another Greek word often used in the Bible for offense is the Greek word proskoma, P-R-O-S-K-O-M-A, proskoma, which means an obstacle. So you see, either ways, uh, the word offense means something that is designed to make you trip and fall or something that is designed to ensnare you. Uh, Now let's take a look at something Jesus said and then we will build on this. In Matthew chapter 11, having all of these definitions in mind now, let's look at Matthew chapter 11 from verse 1 to 6. It says, And it came to pass... When Jesus had made an end of commanding his twelve disciples, he departed thence to teach and to preach in their cities. Now when John had heard in prison the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and said unto him, Art thou he that should come, or do we look for another? Jesus answered and said unto them, Go and show John again those things which you do hear and see. The blind receive their sight, and the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is he 
whosoever shall not be offended in me. Now, this is a very powerful statement. Jesus is saying that there is a particular kind of blessing allocated to people that refuse to be offended in him. What is this telling us? It's, it's telling us that during the course of our lives, if we actually are normal people, we will have reasons and needs to be offended in God. You know, we've been taught in church to be politically correct with God. Okay? Let me give us an instance. Uh, something goes wrong. And as a believer, you're checking through your life and you, you feel like you have done everything that you, you ought to have done. But things still didn't work out, you see. But because we have t- been taught political correctness in the church, we just say, eh, I know the problem is not with me. The problem, uh, the problem is not with God. The problem is with me. Okay, even though you don't know what the problem is, we just assume, uh, well, God cannot be at fault. God cannot be wrong. So the problem is with me. But here is the bigger problem. You have checked and you have scanned through your life and you cannot find where you went wrong. And so it's eating you up. It's eating you up because we have been taught that God cannot be in the wrong. Now, I am not trying to teach that God can be in the wrong. No, that's not what I'm trying to do. But I am saying, uh, you know, let's, let, let, let me just, uh, let's, let's jump. I wanted to share this at the end, but let's jump. Let's look at Isaiah chapter 33. and uh, No, no, Isaiah chapter 43 and verse 26. Let's just establish something. Isaiah chapter 43 and verse 26. Okay, um, I want to read from, let me read from the from the New Living Translation, Isaiah chapter 43 and verse 26. It says, Let us review the situation together, and you can present your case to prove your innocence. This is God speaking. He said, Come. Another translation says, Come, let us reason together. Okay? Uh, It it says, Let us review the situation together. (laughs) It didn't say, Let me review the situation. No, he said, Come, let us review the situation together. And you can present your case to prove your innocence. The truth is, uh, let, let me show this scripture. Isaiah chapter 33 and verse 22. It's something very important that, uh, that we should see about God. And if we don't understand this aspect of God, we will continue to be offended. It says, for the Lord, Isaiah chapter 33 and verse 22. It says, for the Lord is our judge our lawgiver and our king he will care for us and save us okay it's telling us different offices and different dimensions of god it says he is our judge he is our lawgiver he is our king and he will take care of us so there is the father dimension of god there is the king dimension of god there is the god dimension of god but there is the judge and the lawgiver dimension of god so uh you know jesus said uh if you receive a prophet in the name of a prophet you will receive a prophet's reward if you receive a man of god in the name of a man of god you will receive a man of god's reward same way if you receive a man of God in the name of a friend, you receive a friend's reward. So basically, in what name you receive people, that is what determines the kind of reward that you get from them. Okay, so so God is our judge. He is our lawgiver. He is our king. There is that 
you know, legal dimension of God that a lot of Christians have not tapped into. And basically, what that does is, like the scripture we read earlier, God wants us to come and plead our case. Okay? But we'll get, we'll get more into that later. So yes, it is possible for us to be offended in God. The Bible is very clear about that. Jesus said, blessed is he who is not offended in me. Which means, uh, uh, you know, Jesus said something to Thomas. He said, Thomas, verily because you have seen me, you have believed. But blessed is everyone that has not seen me yet believe. Okay, so blessings like this usually come to a smaller category of people. This is not a general blessing. So from what Jesus said in, 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 in Matthew chapter 11 and verse 6, it, it proves to us that in our lifetime, we are going to have reasons to be offended in God. And we're going to see scriptures, how different classes of people during Jesus' earthly ministry were offended in him. The Pharisees were offended in him. The Sadducees were offended in him. His family were offended in him. His disciples were offended in him. John the Baptist, who was like his forerunner, was offended in him. So you see, even though Jesus, who is the perfect specimen, still had people that were being offended in him. Why is this? It's simply because offenses come usually for two reasons. Something you expected to be done that wasn't done, or something you didn't expect to be done that was done. Okay, basically. So, really, uh, 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 offense is a product of our expectations. But we'll, we'll get more into that. So, um, I wrote this down. It is possible and human to be offended in God. I was talking about church and political correctness. This is a big problem. I have talked to, to I, I have spoken with a lot of persons, and you will know that these people clearly are not happy with God. Okay, but they are not allowed to express that displeasure because then you are going to look like a sinner. How can you be mad at God? How can you be angry with God? Okay, but you see, the truth is. Whether you tell God you are angry with him or not, he knows if you are angry with him. So why not just do the honorable thing, be honest, and tell God, Lord, I am mad at you and I feel like you let me down. He's not going to be angry, okay? But anyway, let's take it one step at a time. Men will and can offend us. God can and also will offend us. Remember when I, well, what I said earlier, offenses are usually a product of expectations. Uh, you were expecting something to happen and didn't happen, or you were not expecting something to happen and it happened. Uh, so basically, uh, offense is is a product of disappointment, and disappointments are a product of failed expectations. Okay, let's go further. God is perfect, but He can and He does offend us. Now let's take a look at a few interesting scriptures. Let's start from uh, Matthew chapter thirteen. Matthew chapter thirteen. Uh, from verse 56 to 57 Matthew 13 56 to 57 okay uh, okay let's start from let's start from 54 when he had come to his own country he taught them in their synagogue so that they were astonished and said where did this man get this wisdom and these mighty works is this not the carpenter's son is not his mother called Mary and his brothers James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas, and his sisters? Are they not all with us? 
where then did this man get all these things so they were offended at him can you see the reason these people were offended first it says they were astonished at his teachings and the works and then they started asking questions like is this not the guy we know in other words he was doing something that they did not expect that was their basis for being offended that that was all the basis for them being offended like this is not the captain that's one don't, don't we know his sisters and his brothers how can he where did he get all this power from and they became offended so you see being offended in someone sometimes or someone being offended in us is not necessarily proof that we have done something wrong it is usually a product of their own expectations so again we can be offended in God even though God is perfect and God expects us actually to be offended in him and I'm going to show us more scriptures okay but, but and the reason we get offended is very simple expectations okay let's continue let's read another scripture in the same Matthew chapter 15 and verse 12 Matthew chapter 15 and verse 12 then his disciples came and said to him do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this saying now what was the saying uh, Jesus said when you when you take take it back two chapters from uh, two verses from verse 10 uh, the Bible says when he had called the multitude to himself he said to them hear and understand not what goes into the mouth defiles a man but what comes out of the mouth this defiles a man and his disciples told him the Pharisees were offended so I'm trying to show us that Jesus who is according to uh, Colossians chapter I think 1 verse 15 calls him the image of the invisible God the Bible in the, in the book of Hebrews chapter 1 calls him the express image okay of the Godhead Jesus is God in the flesh he is he is God perfected the the, the, the embodiment of the Godhead okay but people were getting offended and before we say these were bad people no these were not necessarily bad people um everybody that got offended in Jesus were not bad people they just didn't understand or uh, expect some of the things that he said and did okay so let's establish that foundation let's see um let's read a few more let's read a few more uh the same john uh, sorry the same matthew rather chapter 26 and verse 31 matthew chapter 26 and verse 31 jesus said he says and jesus and then said jesus unto them all ye shall be offended because of me this night for it is written i will smite the shepherd and the sheep of the flock shall be scattered abroad but after i am risen again i will go before you into galilee and then, and then peter said you know i will never be offended in you and said all of those things we know how the story goes okay but when you think about it really um once jesus was taken from the garden of gethsemane all his disciples bolted okay so this is another example of people that are not bad people his disciples were not bad people but jesus said all of you will be offended in me tonight okay so um if you're taking notes you can write this being offended in god is natural the ability to remain without offense in god is supernatural and this is why there is a blessing tied to it. That's why Jesus said, blessed is everyone who is not offended in me. Now, um, let, me just, let me just say this. 
it's important that we're honest, okay? Like I said, God knows if you are pretending or not. There are many, 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 many people out there in the body of Christ because they are afraid of being called faithless. And, you know, this is a problem, okay? If you say, I am offended in God, then people say, you don't have faith. Don't you know what the Bible says? No, we know what the Bible says. But you see, a lot of times, our realities and what the Bible says are like East and West. And we need to be honest enough to to come to that point where we say, okay, yes, I know the Bible says this, but this is my reality. What is the problem? A lot of persons are too afraid or too embarrassed to admit that their realities are completely different from what the Bible promises. But you see, if we are not honest, God knows that we are being hypocrites anyway. So let's be honest. I was talking to, I was talking to a guy some days back and he was telling me how, you know, he lost his dad on Christmas day and then his uncle who was like the only father figure left in the family died just last week and uh, his finances have crashed, his career, everything, everything seems to be going just south. Everything, everything seems to be going bad. And, and he told me that, you know, he has not prayed or done anything for for about six months now because he's angry and I said it's okay for you to be angry with God it's okay for you to be angry with God the Bible says be angry but sin not it didn't say who we should be angry at it says be angry but sin not okay Uh, it's completely okay to be angry with God and I told him you know what why not have an honest conversation with God tell him how you feel tell him I feel like you let me down I feel like you didn't show up when I needed you you know, doing these things will, you know, I respect Job in the Bible for so many reasons. Not just because uh, he went through what he went through without losing his faith, but the fact that he he had the spine to, you know, to talk to God and say, okay, God, come, let's talk. Where did I go wrong? And guess what? God came and told him where he went wrong. Okay, but but we are we are you know being politically correct in our hearts we are we are hurt and then on the outside we are pretending like we are okay with God and then God is just looking at us. So we are usually offended as a result of a displeasure. This this displeasure is usually at a consequence of a broken expectation. The world is filled with offenses, but we must consciously deal with them. Uh, in John chapter 16 and verse 1, Jesus warned his disciples. Let's read that very quickly. In John chapter 16 and verse 1, Jesus said, These things have I, have I spoken unto you that you should not be offended. These things have I spoken unto you that you should not be offended. Uh, let's look at uh, Matthew chapter 18 and verse, verse 7. Matthew chapter 18 and verse 7. Jesus said, Woe unto the world because of offenses. For it must needs be that offenses come, that it is inevitable that offenses will come. But woe to that man by whom the offense cometh. Now, uh, let's read this and then we'll talk about it later, okay? Let's read verses 8 and 9. It says, Wherefore, if thy hand or thy foot offend thee, cut them off and cast them from thee. It is better for thee to enter into life halt or maimed rather than having two hands or two feet to be cast into everlasting fire. And if thine eye offend thee, pluck it out and cast it from thee. It is better for thee to enter into life without one eye rather than having two eyes to be cast into hell fire. We're going to take a closer look at that later. But 
let's let's just have it at the back of our mind now what what are the effects or the the the, the consequences of being offended um, now we're going to look at two things we're going to look at offense towards God and offense towards man it's very important and we're going to try to create a balance what are the consequences of offense towards God the number one consequence of being offended in God is that it makes us unproductive the, the Bible says in uh, in Mark chapter 4 uh, the parable of the sower in Mark chapter 4 let's see something Mark chapter 4 from verse 14 it says the sower soweth the word and these are they by the wayside where the word is sown but when they have heard Satan cometh immediately and taketh away the word that was sown in their hearts and these are uh, and these are they likewise which are sown on stony ground who when they have heard the word immediately receive it with gladness now see verse 17 and have no root in themselves and so endure but for a time afterward when affliction or persecution ariseth for the word's sake immediately they are offended and as a consequence they don't bear fruit okay affliction and persecution arising for the word's sake immediately they are offended now the truth is I think one of these days we're going to do a teaching on this, okay? Uh, affliction and persecution arising for the word's sake. Now, when 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 you receive a revelation, every revelation you believe you have received from the word of God is going to be tried and tested. If you receive a prophetic word, get ready to have that prophetic word challenged, okay? Persecution and affliction arises for the word's sake. So, so you may be listening to me tonight, or you may know somebody that has had so many promises of God over their lives, and it looks like instead of their life, you know, I remember then in the university when a, a man of God comes and prophesies over somebody, everybody wants to be friends with that person, you know, because of our nepios level of understanding, then because we just ah, this person has made it in life. Whoa, I need to be close to this person, but you see. What comes first when the word arrives is not a harvest. It is affliction and persecution for the word's sake. That word is going to be tried. It is going to be tried. That's why Paul told Timothy, he said, the prophecies that you have received, use them to war a good warfare because there is going to be contention. Satan is always going to try to make God look like a liar. In the Garden of Eden, in Genesis chapter 3, he came and told them, he said, you shall not surely die. In other words, God is a liar and Satan has continued with that pattern. So if God has told you that you are going to be a kingdom financier, get ready because it's going to be tested satan is going to try to steal that word you see and that's the problem uh uh you know you've received all of these prophetic words you're going to be this you're going to be that you're going to be this and then it looks like the contrary is happening in your life and then it's easy for people to get offended like god lied to me or i was on my own when you came with this prophetic word why am i going through all of this okay joseph received visions and then for the next 13 years of his life it was hell so if you are somebody that every time a man of God comes around, he picks you out and gives you prophetic words, it's a beautiful thing, okay? But that prophetic word is going to attract, uh, is going to attract affliction and it's going to attract persecution. Same thing, you're studying the word of God, you see something and you receive light from the word of God. It is going to be tested. 
problem is a lot of people don't they don't they don't make it through the test they get offended like god you promised me i was going to be a billionaire and right now i cannot even recharge my phone and they get offended so please um this is very important if if you have promises of god hovering over your life use it to contend use it to contend because satan's primary goal in our lives is to make god look like a liar so god says you will prosper and he tries to make you struggle god says i desire that you be in health and he's trying to put sickness in your body you know when god says a satan is trying to do the the, the complete reverse we need to be intelligent and smart enough to know that the affliction and the persecution that we are being exposed to is coming for the world's sake not for any other reason for the world's sake so um i said number one uh being of offended in god okay sorry let me read this Chogu said someone once said rather than jump and be excited when you receive a prophecy it's best to pray for the grace yes because exactly like you said the devil will come at you with all his gods to make god look like a liar that is that is true and yes actually instead of getting excited at prophets like i said back then in the university when somebody receives a prophetic word everybody goes and say hey man of god you know i want to you know remember me when you get to paradise and stuff like that and then five ten years pass and you don't see any of those manifestations and it begins to look like ah the man of god lied or he didn't hear god or things like that you know and even those people when when especially when those prophecies are public okay and then it looks like your life is going the opposite direction it's it, it's it's a very very valid ground to be upset with god like okay i was on my own you came with this prophecy and look at my life <laughs> you know look at me my life does not look like any of those things that you've promised okay so let's be let's be smart about it when we receive a word you know we should use it to contend and we should know also that there will be contention uh, for that word to, to to steal that word from us uh, 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 Paul said that a great door and an effectual is open before me but there are many many adversaries so being offended in God makes us unfruitful um, number two they deprive us of the blessing of God like the scripture we read earlier in Matthew chapter 11 verse 6 Jesus said blessed is everyone who is not offended in me it doesn't mean if you are offended in God you are cursed it just means that there is a dimension of blessing that you will not be able to access if you are offended in God okay and then number three being offended in God separates us from the only person that can help us and that is what Satan wants to do he wants to isolate you to his own territory so that he can have a field day okay remember when we started i said it's okay it's natural as a matter of fact jesus jesus expects that we will be offended but it is important we make a very conscious decision and we're going to look at how we can deal with offense towards god and towards men we're going to talk about offense towards god and towards men okay um, I, I wrote this down. Many people are no longer in the faith today because they are offended in God and they feel like God let them down. Uh, and this has been made worse by a certain doctrine and a certain theology. And I, and I want to sit down here a while. One of the reasons people, one of the reasons, it's not the only reason, one of the reasons people get offended in God is because they have been taught that everything that happens in life is the will of God and God is in control. 
okay now it's it's logical right like okay god you are in control why did you let so and so happen to me um how can you explain to a man that his two-year-old daughter being raped by 11 men like happened once upon a time in india was the will of god and god was in control of that situation you see that doctrine is very problematic how do you tell a man that lost his entire family in a car crash that it was the will of God and God was in control of that situation? The truth is this. The earth belongs to God, but he is not running it. I have said this before and I want to say it again. Think of the earth as a house. Okay? Uh, God is the landlord. We and the devil are the tenants. Now, even though the house belongs to the landlord, the landlord cannot walk into that house anytime he likes to do whatever he wants. He will need to be invited or he will need to be permitted to do anything in that house. Okay, so the, the whole uh, thing of God is in control, whatever happens is in the will of God. Uh, like some popular person said is uh, we are all but pencils in the hands of the creator so everything that happens in this world is God just using us to write a script no this is not true this is not true and I'm going to show us a few scriptures to that effect because I think it will help us uh, one of the greatest victories that the devil can have in our lives is to convince us that God is responsible for the hardship that we are going through if satan can convince you he has you locked up in that cage and this is one of the main reasons people are offended in god let me let me read this um i've heard a teaching that john the baptist opened himself to be attacked by the enemy when he took offense in jesus because the next thing that was heard of john was when he was executed by herod after his daughter requested for his head well um this this is a possibility this is a possibility but also i i believe that john the baptist really was no longer serving any purpose on the earth after jesus started his ministry because like john said i must decrease and he must increase so um i don't know if john the baptist had stayed around for all that time i don't know what else he would have been doing really so i think it was just a matter like every other every other prophet because at the time he was offended in jesus yes he was already in prison and really i don't know what other outcome there could have been but yes this is actually a possibility that he opened himself up to be uh to be to be slaughtered because he became offended because really when you look at the answer jesus gave him jesus was not very nice about it he said are you the messiah or should we look for another and he said go and tell john what you have seen and what you have heard the blind are seeing the deaf are hearing the dead are being raised the poor have the gospel preached to them like you know john already knew all of these things but you know jesus just didn't care think about that jesus really just didn't care remember the Syrophoenician woman the canaanite woman that her daughter was possessed of a devil okay her daughter was possessed of a devil and she came and met jesus and said you know have mercy on me you know help my daughter she's grievously vexed and jesus said it is not meet to give the children's bread to the dogs that is an offensive statement say what you like 
that is an offensive statement. If T.D. Jakes said that to somebody, or if, if Pastor Paul Adifarasin said that to somebody, or if Pastor Paul Enenche said that, or if Benny Hinn said that to somebody, the internet and, and the news media will be a boss. So when I said God can offend us, that is the reality. <laughs> but you see, there was something this woman did. She refused to be offended. So it is not like a curse comes upon you when you are offended. No, the woman was already in trouble. But there was a particular blessing she was able to attract because she refused to be offended. And John the Baptist was already in trouble. But, you know, there's a lot of sense in what he said. I believe if he had refused to be offended, maybe the outcome could have been different. I don't think the outcome could have been completely different. But, yeah. Okay, so... um. I was talking about God and God being in control and all of that. I want us to read something in, the, uh, uh, in Psalm 78. Psalm 78 and verse 41. Let's see something about God. Psalm 78 and verse 41. It says, Yea, they turned back and tempted God. And limited the Holy One of Israel. They turned back and tempted God. And they limited the Holy One of Israel. How can you limit somebody that is in control? This scripture is telling us something. God can be limited. And he can be limited by so many things that we do. Our thoughts, our actions, our words. But God can be limited. How much of God we see in manifestation uh, is going to be determined by so many things. He is not just, yes, he's sovereign, but the earth he has given to the sons of men. And he gave man dominion. And since God gave man dominion, he never took it back. It's important that we understand this. Otherwise, we're going to continue to... Uh, uh, make people very, very angry with God because now we're telling them everything that happens on this earth is the will of God. Everything that happens was was pre preordained by God. Everything that happens, God is in control. Now that's tough to swallow. You're, 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 you know, terrible things. Somebody gets raped and you're telling her God is in control. Yeah, this thing was preordained. Ah, yes. It was the will of God. God wants to bring a testimony out of this. It's going to be a tough sell. It's going to be a tough sell. And, and you know, many of the people that call themselves atheists today are not really atheists. They are just mad at God. I don't think there's any normal human being that doesn't believe that there is a God. They believe that there is a God. They just can't figure it out. And so they decide to conclude that this guy doesn't exist. Because and, 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 and some of the reasons is the, the, the teachings from the body of Christ. You're telling people, a plane crashes and over 300 people die. And you're telling them it's the will of God. And God was in control. And it was preordained by God. And God did it for a greater purpose. What greater purpose? Read the Bible. In the Garden of Eden, there was no death. At the end of the book, there will be no death. So this gives us a very clear understanding of what happens when God is in control. There's no death in heaven. You see, if you want to understand what happens when God is in control, think of heaven. And that's why Jesus said we should pray, Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Okay, if God's will is already being done on the earth, why did Jesus ask us to pray about it? I hope we're clear on this. So, many people are mad at God 
because they hold him responsible for their tragedy. Now I want to show the few scriptures that prove that God is not running the earth. Okay, so are you ready? Let's uh, let's read a few scriptures to show to prove to us that God is not running the earth. Uh, first, let's look at Second Corinthians chapter four and verse four. Second Corinthians chapter four and verse four. It says, or let's read from verse three. It says, "But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world." had blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. So Paul here is calling Satan the God of this world. Let's look at more scriptures. The Bible says that at the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. Let's look, let's look at the words of Jesus himself. In John chapter 12 and verse 31. John chapter 12 and verse 31. Jesus said... Now is the judgment of this world. Now shall the prince of this world be cast out. The prince of this world. Talking about Satan. He calls him the prince of this world. Now let's look at the same John chapter 14 and verse 30. John 14 and verse 30. It says, Hereby I will not talk much with you. For the prince of this world cometh, and he hath nothing in me talking again about satan so paul calls him the god of this world jesus is calling him the prince some translations call it the ruler of this world okay let's look at uh let's look at the same john chapter 16 again the words of jesus john chapter 16 and verse uh let's see and verse 11 it says uh, okay, let, let's read it from let's read it from verse eight to give us context. And when he is come, talking of the Holy Spirit, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin because they believe not on me. Of righteousness because I go to my Father and ye see me no more. Of judgment because the prince of this world is judged. And let's look at a few more interesting scriptures. Uh, Okay, for the sake of time, let's just look at one more. Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4. We've heard from Paul, we've heard from Jesus. Let's hear from Satan himself. <laughs> Luke chapter 4 and verse 5. It says, And the devil, taking him up into a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said unto him, All this power will I give thee, and the glory of them for that is delivered unto me and to whomsoever i will i give it this is satan speaking and jesus did not argue with him one second jesus did not say no man you are lying it doesn't belong to you it belongs to me it belongs to no jesus did not argue with him he said all of this has been given to me and i can give it to whoever i will okay but you see we we, we have had this this twisted doctrine of God being in control and so you can understand why people blame God for the things that happen in their lives because they were taught that God is in control and God was in control and he let terrible things happen to them so you can't just tell them why well, it's okay um, you know he's God he can't be wrong no people have very legitimate reasons to be mad at God and the church is mostly responsible for that 
I said we're going to talk about offense toward God and towards men. What are the effects of offense towards man? Some of us may say, well, I've never been mad at God. That's fine. Thank God for your life. I have been mad at God. I told God I'm mad at you. And we had a talk and we are good now. We're fine. Okay. What are the effects of offense towards man? Number one is bitterness. Okay, and then I is asking that what about people who say God gives and God takes away? Well, they say it because it's in the Bible. Okay, they say it because it's in the Bible. Job said that the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. You see, but the problem is not everything in the Bible is the word of God. People spoke in the Bible. Angels spoke in the Bible. Demons spoke in the Bible. Satan spoke in the Bible like we just read. Okay, so that a thing is said in the Bible does not necessarily mean. Because uh, if, if we remember the story of Job, I think in the last chapter, he was saying that, you know, all I have known about God was what people told me, but now I know for myself who God is and what God is about. Okay, so Job actually, at the time he said that, had a very twisted, uh, twisted impression and mindset about God. And, you know, just like Job, a lot of persons, what they believe about God is what they have been taught. Okay, which is wrong because if you see Job kept ranting and ranting, saying this, saying that, saying that, and God had to straighten him out. Okay, so um, you know, people say that because it is in the Bible. The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. But the Bible is clear that it is the thief that comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. You see, remember what I said earlier. One of the greatest victories the devil can have in our lives is to convince us that God is responsible for our pain and our suffering. So we absolve the devil of the guilt and then we get angry with God who is pretty much the only person that can help us. So Satan actually has us where he wants us. Okay. I hope I answered that question, um, Nina. What are the effects of... of, of, uh, of uh, offense towards man. Number one is bitterness. And um, bitterness can hinder our prayers. The Bible says in Mark 11:25 that when we stand to pray, we should forgive. Why? Because unforgiveness can and will hinder our prayers. The second thing that offense can create in our lives is strife. Now, I would want to talk a little bit about this. Strife is Satan's master key. Believe me. Strife is the devil's master key. When, when Satan has tried to find every other loophole in, in a person's life and he cannot find it, he gets somebody to offend you and gets you to walk in strife. Uh, let's look at James chapter 3 and verse 16. James chapter 3 and verse 16. Let's see what the Bible says about strife. It says, For where envying and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. So this is Satan's access. Okay, when he has tried to make people do all sorts of things and he can't make them do it, he tries to sow a seed of strife. And with that seed, he can begin to generate a harvest of every other evil work. Strife can destroy and will ruin any relationship if it is allowed to grow. 
Remember Paul and Barnabas in Acts chapter 13. The Bible says that God, the Holy Spirit, spoke and said, Separate unto me Paul and Barnabas, okay, for the work which I have called them. Paul and Paul and Barnabas were were a God-ordained team. But in in uh, in Acts chapter 15, let's look at Acts chapter 15 from verse 35. Acts chapter 15. From verse 35, it says, Paul also and Barnabas continued in Antioch, teaching and preaching the word of God with many others also. And some days after, Paul said unto Barnabas, Let us go again and visit our brethren in every city where we have preached the word of the Lord and see how they do. And Barnabas determined to take with him John, who, whose surname was Mark, but Paul thought not good to take him with them, who departed from them from Pamphylia and went not with them to the work. And the contention was so sharp between them that they departed asunder one from the other. And so Barnabas took Mark and sailed unto Cyprus. This was a God-ordained relationship, but strife. This is Paul, the apostle. What was Paul's problem? He was not happy that John Mark did not follow them on a particular assignment. And he said, you didn't follow us before, you won't follow us now. And because John Mark was related to Barnabas, Barnabas insisted, we're going to go with him. And they had an argument. And because of that, a God-ordained relationship, we must be careful not to allow strife to grow. Please, this is important. In any, any kind of relationship at all, we must be very careful not to allow strife to grow. It doesn't matter in, in, in your marriage or whatever. It's possible Jesus appeared to you and said, Thou shalt marry so and so and so, and gives you all the, you know, you are sure beyond any reasonable doubt that this is the will of God for your life. If you allow strife, that relationship will not see the light of day. And we must be very careful to deliberately and consciously uh, 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 prevent strife from growing. And we're going to look at how we can, how we can uh, you know, prevent some of those things from happening. How do we overcome offense towards God? How do we overcome offense towards God? Number one, the most important thing, remember that God is a good God. Okay, the Bible says every good and perfect gift comes from above and from the Father of light, in whom there is no variableness nor shadow of turning. Um, if it's not good, then you need to begin to investigate the source. And the truth is, tonight some of us may have to reach out to some people. Talking about strife, some of us may have to reach out to some people. There are people you know that God has ordained for you two to be together. But, you know, people will always offend. And, you know, we'll talk about that. We'll talk about that. And we'll just, we'll quench the fire by the grace of God this night. Okay, so number one, remember that God is good. Number two, be honest and transparent on how you feel with God. God said, come, let us reason together. Okay? God wants to talk with us. So tell him, Lord, I feel like you wronged me. Don't be afraid. He's your father. Don't be afraid. Be honest. If you have to cry, cry. If you have to scream, scream. Be honest. God wants us to be honest. So be honest. Express yourself before him. And when everything is done, you'll be amazed. God God is not going to be mad at you. But there are some people, they are so mad at God now, they can't tell him they are angry with him, so they are doing like a lot of us do when we are beefing somebody. They are giving God the silent treatment. 
They stop studying the Bible. They stop praying. They stop going to church. They don't want to listen to any man of God. They are just giving God the silent treatment. Like, you know what? Like, I'm not going to insult you. I'm not going to say any of these things because I respect you so much. But, you know, I'm really not cool with you. And uh, you, you let me down. I'm not going to, I'm not going to talk to you. <laughs> you know? Is, is it not? Because when you do this, let me, let me tell you. When we do this, we are, we are, we are, we are setting ourselves up because we are wandering away from God and there's only one other direction you can go when you wander away from God. And that is exactly what the devil wants. The truth is, beefing God, <laughs> permit me to use that term, is not, uh, is, it, the, the biggest loser at the end of the day is going to be us. <laughs> Somebody said practicing social distancing with God. Oh my God! You know, but but you know, beefing God is is it, it doesn't hurt it, it it hurts him in the sense that he loves you. But the biggest loser at the end of the day is going to be the the person that is walking away from God. And so it's important that we do our utmost never to let the relationship degenerate to that point. That I have been mad at God before several times, not one, not twice, not ten times, not twenty times. I, I have been very mad at God before, and for months I didn't pray because I feel like He let me down. That's the truth. But you see, as I began to grow, I, I saw reasons why those things happened. And when I say I saw reasons, I'm not saying that uh, I saw justification for God letting those things happen. No, I saw reasons in the sense that I saw where I went wrong to allow. A loophole for the devil to exploit for those things to happen you see this is the beauty of having these honest conversations with God because you know sometimes we are so blind and you know the, the natural human being doesn't want to take responsibility Adam said it was Eve Eve said it was a serpent unfortunately the serpent God did not even ask him <laughs> I'm sure if God had asked the serpent he would have said something too. you see you know we, we like passing blames around and nobody really wants to accept responsibility for what is going on but you see if we're going to be honest with God and express ourselves Lord I'm angry with you I feel like you let me down and have an honest conversation you will be amazed how much you will learn from that conversation okay so I said number one remember that God is good number two be honest and transparent on how you feel about it. Number three, remember that God is not in control and God can be limited. Remember that. When you remember that, it helps a lot. Okay? It helps. When you remember that, you know, everything that is happening on the earth is not the will of God. It is what is happening in heaven is the will of God. And in the millennium, we're going to see the will of God manifest on the earth. Okay? But right now, there's so much chaos going on and God is not responsible for that. Number four, Remember that God is just. If it was somebody that wronged you in the name of God, remember that God is just. Everybody will receive justice. Sooner or later, in this life or in the afterlife, it doesn't matter. The only satisfaction is in this life you get to see it. In the afterlife or in eternity, as a matter of fact, the consequences are more if your punishment is moved to eternity. Yes, it's better. It, I think it's an advantage if, if God chastises the person wronging you on earth it's an advantage to the person because the person gets to you know fix a lot of things but if they carry it over to eternity it's even worse so don't worry if somebody wronged you and it looks like the person is getting away with it and because of that you are really really mad at god like god this person wronged me in your name and he or she is getting away with it just relax justice will be served 
justice will be served. As somebody said, vengeance is sweetest when served cold. It's like ice cream. It's sweetest when served cold. Okay, And sometimes God just leaves people for their cup to be getting through. Don't worry. Nobody gets away with anything in this life. If they didn't receive punishment in this life before they die, um, well, they, they didn't get away with it. You can rest assured and finally, this is not a very common saying. As a matter of fact, I'll probably get some stick for this. But I'm going to say it. Forgive God. He doesn't need it, but you do. And when we say forgive God, it doesn't mean necessarily because, you know, when we forgive people sometimes, or when we ask people rather to forgive us sometimes, I'm sure everybody here at one point in your life or the other, you have asked somebody to forgive you or you have apologized even when you knew you did nothing wrong. But for the sake of peace, right? Okay. So, forgive God for the sake of peace. Even though God is not wrong and God is never going to apologize to you, but forgive God. It's not a popular saying and I don't have a scripture for that, but if you think it makes sense, take it on board. If you think it doesn't make sense, you can discard it. Now, uh, I'm going to wrap up with this. Overcoming offense towards man. Number one, some people need to be avoided. It is scriptural. Remember the scripture we read in Matthew chapter 5, where Jesus said, if a part of your body causes you to offend, cut it off. Okay? It, it, uh, it, it's not literal. It's not literal. But Jesus is trying to tell us something. There are some people that are better uh, that, that it's best we avoid them. <laughs> there, there are some people, it's best for us to avoid them. So if you find yourself in a toxic environment or uh, with a toxic personality, um, so that you can avoid repeating the cycle of offense, it is best that you, um, you disengage. Okay, it is best to disengage. Uh, and some persons, it's a lot easier to forgive them when there's a distance. That, let's, let's be honest, okay? So sometimes you break off from some people, not because you are mad at them, but because you really want to forgive them. And if they, are, they continue to be in your face, you will keep remembering. The Bible didn't say forgive and forget, so I hope you realize that. The Bible only says forgive, okay? Uh, the forgetting part... It's basically memory without vengeance. That's why people say it. It's not altogether bad. But okay. Forgetting is basically memory without vengeance. But a lot of times, it's a lot easier to to um, forgive people when there's a distance. You know, Everybody moves on. You can heal. You, you are not left with a constant reminder of the pain and the hurt. Okay, um, So disengaging from people or avoiding people, there's nothing wrong with that. As a matter of fact, uh, in, in, in Romans chapter 16 and verse 17, Paul said, Now I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which ye have learned, and avoid them. True, Nina. True. We can't, we can't forget. We don't have selective amnesia. That's true. Um, you can't decide what to remember or what to forget. Only God can actually do that. You can say, I can forget your sins. But we can't. Uh, we can just remember and decide not to do anything about it. Okay, but Paul is saying here in Romans 16, 17, it says, Now I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which ye have learned, and avoid them. Some people need to be avoided. It keeps your sanity, it, it, it makes it easier for you to walk in love, 
it makes it easier for you to not be offended and that's the truth this this is a very practical step so if you are with if you are in an environment or you are with people and they are constantly getting you offended the best practical step to take is to avoid them number two this is very important don't expect too much from people remember what i said when we started that most of the times we get offended because of disappointments and we get disappointed because of expectations so the less expectations you have the less the chances of you being disappointed the less the chances of you being offended and if you're taking notes you can write this much expectation leads to more disappointment don't expect a degree of perfection from people that you would consider unfair when others expect the same from you oh yes mr tunde god can God can, and he does remove the pain from your memory. Um, I, have, I have certain instances in my own life where people hurt me very, very, very badly. And, uh, and, and God healed me. And right now I can see them and not have a, a what do you call it, uh, and not feel bad about in, in fact, I don't even really think about it so much. But the, the truth is this. Before I got to that point, there was time and there was distance. Okay, there was time and there was distance. The truth is this, sometimes we need time and distance to heal. When you have healed completely, then you can deal with a lot of things better. But uh, if you are still feeling bad about something, the same way you felt bad about it five years ago, you need prayers. You need serious prayers. Yes, that one is not, is not of God. You need prayers. Because over time and over distance, we should get better. And the pain, you know, the, the, the feeling of the pain should... Of course, there may be there may be scars in the sense that you may not trust certain persons the way you used to, and that is understandable. Okay, but that pain, you are very right, Mister Tunde. The pain, God can actually remove the pain from our memory. The memory is there, the memory is there, but the pain is no longer uh, is no longer being felt. So, like I was saying, do not expect a degree of perfection from people that you would consider unfair when others expect from you. The truth is this. We expect people to be a certain way and to live by certain standards that when it comes to us, we say, you know, I'm human. But then when it comes to someone else, we expect them to be superhuman. Uh, it's, our disappoint- it, it, it's our expectations that disappoint us most of the times and not people. You know, one of the biggest problems in our generation is this statement. I expected more from you. <laughs> if you keep expecting more from people, you'll be in problems sooner or later. Okay, don't don't expect too much from people. It helps. Uh, nobody can please you all the time. Even Jesus uh, was not able to please everybody all the time. Jesus was not always pleasant. Remember what I said about the Syrophoenician woman. Jesus said it is not it is not a good thing to give the children's bread to dogs. He called the woman a dog. Boy, that was rude, and that was. You know, you, you know we can be we can be hypocrites by the body of Christ. Jesus did this now, we look at it, we turn a blind eye and we say, ah, it's Jesus, so it's fine. He cursed a fig tree, innocent fig tree. The fig tree was on his own. It was Jesus that ran to that fig tree. The fig tree did not call him. But Jesus was so un- hungry and he was angry and he cursed the innocent fig tree. <laughs> he cursed the innocent fig tree. If I go about cursing trees today, people will say, Chubi has a temper problem. Or they'll say it's abuse of power and authority. Or they'll give it a name to make me look bad. But Jesus did it, and we all keep quiet about it. Let's be honest. 
there are some things in the Bible that Jesus did that if any other man of God were to do that today, who you take Bulala and you go into the temple and you are flogging people for what? Some of these people are older than your, your, your father. He called the Pharisees, his father's mates, brood of vipers. He called Herod, the king, a whitewashed sepulcher. Now, Jesus wasn't always nice. <laughs> Jesus, Jesus wasn't always nice. So, you see, even Jesus wasn't always pleasant. And you see, we, we need to learn to separate people from their anointing. You know, people can see a man of God and the way his influence and his power and all of that. And ah, I love this man of God. I love him. But you may not really like him when he's not under the anointing. You may not. You may not be able to stand him when he's not under the anointing. And then you go and say, ah, I'm disappointed. I expected more from that man of God. That's why a lot of times it's better you keep your distance from men of God. So that you can just relate with him based on his office, based on his calling, based on the anointing. Because when you get to know them personally, um, some of us just can't handle the facts and the details that we will realize about their lives. And a lot of those things will not be pleasant. Okay? So if you really love a man of God uh, that you are not close to, please keep your distance. It's best. It's best you don't know some things because I I can promise you if you get close enough you are going to see something you don't like and not everybody can deal with that. Even the most anointed of us can be offensive. Okay, remember what I said earlier. Sometimes it is not people that disappoint us but our own expectations. Always leave a margin for error with people. Always leave a margin for error with people don't expect too much say i expected more from you you know that's usually the problem just don't expect too much and always remember there's a powerful statement that Apostle joshua selman always makes he says the best of us is still human the best among us is still human you are going to see uh human traits that uh are human amen <laughs> so um you know you know, there's a guy in the Bible, we all know him. His name is Peter. By the way, Peter did not Peter did not deny Jesus because Jesus prophesied it. It wasn't the prophecy that compelled Peter to deny Jesus. Peter had issues. Okay? Peter had confidence issues. And I'm going to prove it to us. Jesus said, you are going to deny, deny me three times. He said, no, ha, who, ha, ha. I'm not going to deny you. But he did. Okay, and I've heard people preach that Peter was a timid guy, and when the Holy Ghost came upon him, he became bold and he preached to thousands of people in a day. Uh, not really. Yes, Peter preached to thousands of people in a day, but it wasn't the first time he was doing it. Peter was on Jesus' evangelistic team. Jesus sent them out several times to minister to people. It wasn't his first time of facing a crowd, it wasn't his first time of ministering to people. That is the reality. Now I'm going to show us something. In the book of Galatians chapter 2, Paul said something. He said Peter was eating with Gentiles. And when some delegates came from Jerusalem, once Peter heard that they were around, he quickly stood up and cleaned his mouth like he wasn't doing anything. The same timid Peter remained timid even after the Holy Ghost came. Peter did not change. Peter did not change. This was the rock on which Jesus said he would build his church. Peter did not change. He still had his human flaws. And Paul had to confront him openly. So the same timid Peter that denied Jesus, it wasn't just Jesus he denied. He also denied the Gentiles he was eating with. 
after the Holy Ghost. This was like 10, 20 years after. So you see, people may be anointed and God may be using them mightily, but there is still that human side. And we need to be very mindful of it so that, um, you know, so that we don't get disappointed and so that we do not get offended. Now, number three, number one, I said, avoid some people. Number two, I said, don't expect too much. Number three, forgive. And sometimes we have to do it by faith. In fact, most times we have to do it by faith. You will never really feel like it. But you have to do it by faith. And even when you think of the person and you think of it and, you, you know, you still feel hurt about it. You say, you know, I forgive this person in the name of Jesus Christ. Just confess it and, and keep saying it, okay, until it becomes your reality. Until you begin to feel differently about it. And then, you know, like Mr. Mr. Tunde said, sometimes we are going to have to trust God to take the pain away from the memory. And say, Lord, this memory is haunting me. I need you to take the pain away from me. Okay? And then uh, number four, this is something the Holy Spirit teach me, and I'm just going to check it in. When you're finding it difficult sometimes to to let go, and when somebody has hurt you, you have decided to forgive, but they are finding it difficult to let go. Send a gift or do something nice. Just send a nice message. Just do something. Okay, it helps. Do something very, very nice. It helps. Okay? And... Uh, <clears throat> Finally, it is important also that we are mindful of people. Um, it's not just okay for us to learn how to deal with offenses. It's important that we also are conscious not to offend people. Now, I want us to read one last scripture in closing. In uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 4. Please, if you have the NIV or you have the New Living Translation. Yeah, it is difficult. And the truth is... We have to consciously violate the desires of the flesh if we are going to walk in, in the spirit. If we are going to walk in forgiveness. Because your flesh is not always going to feel like it. If we wait until we feel like it, it may never happen. Because some people can be nasty. And some people have done things to me before that I was tempted to say, I will never forgive you. But then I remember by the spirit of God in that. We are not permitted to hate. We can't hate people. We cannot hate people. We cannot live and walk in unforgiveness. So if it is not coming, we have to force it. And these are some of the ways that we force it. People have hurt me before and the Spirit of God told me, take up your phone and call them. They were the ones that offended me. So Holy Spirit told me, take up your phone and call them. And guess what I realized? A lot of the instances, some of these persons realized that they were wrong. But they were feeling so guilty and they were afraid of reaching out to me because they were not sure how I was going to respond. And so calling them kind of made the, the journey to reconciliation a lot easier for them. Okay, so sometimes, you know, this, it's not easy. Okay, it's not easy, but we don't do things because they are easy. We do things because they are right, right? Okay, so 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 4. If you have the New Living Translation or the uh, NIV, it's very interesting. It says, I'm reading from the New Living Translation. It says, my conscience is clear, but that doesn't prove I am right. The NIV says, my conscience is clear, but that doesn't make me innocent. There are times we have dealt with people and we have wronged them. Well, you hear people say things like, my conscience is clear, my conscience is clear, my conscience is clear. Your conscience may be clear and you are guilty. 
Why? Because the levels of conscience sensitivity are different. Some persons have their conscience seared with hot iron. Okay? Levels of conscience sensitivity are very, very, very different. So simply because your conscience is clear does not mean that you are not in the wrong. And so if somebody feels aggrieved, it is important we reach out to them. As believers, this is expected of us. Sorry, I said that was the last scripture, but that's not the last scripture. Uh, let's see what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 23 as we close. Matthew 5, 23. Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, Leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and reconcile to them. Then come and offer your gift. This is what Jesus said. So if somebody has something against you, it's not enough to say my conscience is clear. The person has something against you. Jesus, God, expects us to make the move towards reconciliation. Okay? And we, uh, God takes people seriously and so should we. If you hurt people, don't just pray to God and say, Father, forgive me. No, if you've hurt people... Go and tell them that you are sorry. This is what is expected of us. Jesus didn't say, if you remember that somebody has something against you, pray to God to forgive you. No, you should reach out to those people. And we should never grow to the point where we will be bigger than saying, I am sorry. Never. We should never. We should never. It's pride. It doesn't matter how, how high we rise in life. We should remember that we are humans and we have flaws and we can offend people. And we should never get to a point where we are bigger than saying, I'm sorry, say, I'm the man of God. And even if I did something wrong, can't you just forget about it? No, that's wrong. That's, that's, not, that's not the spirit of God. It's not, it's not of God at all. If we have done something wrong, if we have offended people, we should take the responsibility, drop our pride. It's going to hurt sometimes. As a matter of fact, sometimes they will even make it very, very, very difficult for you. But we want to be people of God, right? That's what we have to do. Amen. Hi, Chubby. Is it okay for me to yes, speak? Yes, please. Go ahead. All right. Hi. Hi. Everyone. So, uh, speaking about offenses with God, I wonder if this is a safe place for me to be brutally honest. Please go ahead. Um, so, <laughs> um, yeah. So, something that I have been struggling with recently, and it's just a bit random, but it's been quite a struggle, is I've suddenly begun to wonder why. I mean, you said this last week as well, you know, we should question some things. I suddenly began to really struggle with the idea of why we're okay with people burning for thousands of years well, we're um, okay with what? in excruciating pain in hell. Oh. With people burning, burning in hell for thousands of thousands of thousands of years of eternity. <laughs> All because, you know, they committed a simple sin as, you know, as we say of just being like it's it's not, it's like a trivial thing. But for me, it's like does that equate to suffering of that magnitude you know so and so recently i've been battling with that god god has made us uh, like him we are compassionate beings you know uh but how is he gonna be okay with with dealing with that forever you know so these days i've been uh, battling with that thought if you don't if, if you get what i mean so, yeah, yeah i do um 
Well, first of all, the Bible says in Deuteronomy 29, 29 that the secret things belong to the Lord, but those things that are revealed to us are revealed to us and our children forever. Um, I have said this many times. God does not tell us everything we want to know. He only tells us the things we need to know. There are so many things about the judgment and the justice system of God that has not been revealed to us. Okay? And uh, there, there are so many things about God that we still don't know. In, in Exodus chapter 6 and verse 3, God told Moses, he said, I appeared to your fathers Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob as El Shaddai, but my name, Yahweh, did they not know me? Okay, uh, what we call today the New Testament, uh, the Old Testament was once upon a time the New Testament. So you see, God reveals himself to us as he wills and in faces. And it's important that we are content with that. Am I okay with people burning in hell for eternity? No, I am not. But you see, I console myself with certain facts. Number one, I don't know more than God. Number two, God is just. Okay, um, I, I know the people that are in hell right now are not there because God put them there. They are there because the devil put them there. And that's the truth. Hell and death are controlled by Satan. And that is why demons and, 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 and Satan can be in hell and not be hurt because they control the system. But we also know that after the white throne judgment, death, hell, Satan, everybody, the fallen angels, uh, 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 the, the men uh, are going to be judged according to their works and they are going to be cast into the lake of fire. We know this from scripture and that is when God will actually begin to judge man. Okay, that's when God will actually begin to judge man. But you see, what what are the parameters? I don't know. To be honest, I don't know. And um, I don't think there are many people that know either. So it's... Um, no, the devil is not yet in hell. The devil is not yet in hell. The devil is going to be put in the lake of fire. There's nobody in the lake of fire right now. Okay? Uh, where people are right now is Hades. The, 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 the men that are not saved are in Hades. Uh, falling angels are in the bottomless pit, okay? But there's nobody in the lake of fire right now. All of these people, including death, hell, are going to be cast into the lake of fire. But yes, the truth is, I am not okay with it. And um, I console myself with the fact that God is just. And if he does it, it's because he has very good reasons and justifiable reasons for doing it. But no, if it's about being okay with it, I'm not okay with it. I feel like, okay, maybe a thousand years is cool. You know, burn for a thousand years and then you'll be back to your senses. But for eternity, even thinking about it torments me, okay? But then, again, the secret things belong to the Lord. So there are things, there are things that God has kept for himself and for himself alone. And he has reasons for doing that. There's so much about God we don't know. There's so much about the future we don't know. There's so much about eternity we don't know. And God has not revealed it to us in the Bible. And he's not revealing it to anybody. As a matter of fact, there are certain things that God revealed to certain prophets. And he told them, these things seal it. Okay, so um, we'll just take comfort in that fact. All right. And let's not um, stress our minds too much with thinking of those other things. Um, okay, then I'll try to answer your question. If there's no other question, let me see if I can answer this question very quickly. You talked about Romans chapter 9. Okay, uh, okay. basically, uh, Romans chapter 9 and verse 18 kind of summarizes it. Okay, let me see this. I think our compassion should even spur us more to reconcile people to God because we can't stand the thought of people burning for all eternity. True true um that is that is actually true 
I've heard, I've heard, um, I've heard rock musicians actually say things about being in hell and burning forever. I think they think it's fun. I don't think anybody will really have a revelation of hell and want to be there, or even want anybody to be there. But I think they think it is fun, or the demons pushing them are giving them those lyrics, and they don't have any choice but to sing it. But um, hell is a very terrible place, and you don't, you don't even want to begin to imagine it. And really. It's it's not a place that the, the Bible says that the lake of fire was created for the devil and his angels. It wasn't even created for man. Okay, so again, I don't want to speculate. I don't want to say things that I don't know. I don't want to say things that I'm not sure of. I have some thoughts. I have some ideas, but I don't have scriptures to back them up, and I'm not going to share them. I'm sorry, um, but we just have to trust God. And like Nina said, I think our compassion for people should spur us more to reconcile them to God. Uh, instead of doing damage limitation, I think it's better we prevent damage at all. Okay, so let's assume that truly those that are not saved are going to spend eternity in hell. Then our duty now is to make sure that they don't. We shouldn't say it is unfair that they do when we allow them go there. Okay. I have a question. Okay, Good evening. Go ahead. Sorry. Can I ask? Can I speak? Yes, please go ahead. Good evening, everybody. So, Good evening. okay, you were talking about, you said if you are in a toxic relationship, yes. you could just them, um, like, walk away or, you know, take a distance. It's usually not easy when the relationship is spousal. Like, the first thing that always makes you, or makes you offend, um, offend you is, is your spouse. Mm. What do you do when, <laughs> you know, that's, that's my question. <laughs> you cannot just stand up and just walk away. Of course you not. Get mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Okay, um, if the person always offending you is your spouse, you are going to have to find a way to trust God to reconfigure you so that those things no longer offend you. Because, like you said, you can't just walk away. And if you continue to depend on the persons to change their acts, the fact that they are not uh, making the effort to do that will even offend you more. Okay, so um, in that case, you, you're going to have to believe God to give you a, a more tolerant spirit to not be offended. Okay, so there are things that used to offend me 10 years ago that don't offend me anymore. And it's possible. It's possible for us to evolve. So when you realize that you are stuck with this person, I think the problem a lot of times is we focus on the need for other people to change so much. And when they don't change, it frustrates us. Okay? It helps when we focus the energy on ourselves and then try to change, try to be the change and make the changes so that this person's uh, attitude or personality doesn't hurt us anymore. Okay, so uh, that's, that is what we can do. We, we can trust God to help us reconfigure ourselves so that these things really don't offend us anymore. Because um, it, it's even better when you get to that point where they no longer offend you than for you to be forgiven and forgiven and forgiven and forgiven and forgiven and forgiven and forgiven. Because uh, everybody gets to a breaking point. That's the truth. Everybody does get to a breaking point. But it's best... If you just say, okay, let's say, let me let me look for an example. What kind of example can I think of? Okay, but 
if 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 there are, if there are certain things that the person is doing, especially when it's not when it's not an outright sin, okay, there are certain things that are not sins, but we still find them offensive. The way you want your room arranged is different from the way I want my room arranged. You know, we have all of these differences, and uh, some people want the toilet seat covered anytime it's not in use. Some persons don't mind it being open. You know, little little things like that. And uh, okay, so let's say at the type that likes the toilet seat closed, and then your spouse like doesn't mind if it's closed or open. Okay, you can make a decision. You can decide to continue being offended every time that he doesn't mind and leaves it open. Or you can decide to say, okay, you know what? I'm not just going to let this annoy me anymore. Okay? Because, like you said, you can't just stand up and walk away. So, or you get to separate toilets. Okay? So, if... uh, They are always... They are always... um, But if it's a toxic relationship, you know, there's a difference between when somebody is annoying and doing things that offend you and a toxic relationship. If it's a toxic relationship... To be very honest, um, I, I don't, I don't advise spouses to to stick with toxic partners in, in a toxic relationship. To be very honest, you can you can separate. No, I'm not talking about you now. I'm saying if it's toxic, if it's very toxic, because um, we've seen people commit suicide and we've seen people do really really terrible things because they stayed in a toxic relationship for too long. Um, you know, there's something Hubert Angel said that I completely agree with. The church has focused so much on protecting the institution of marriage that we have abandoned the people that actually make up the institution. Okay, God cares more about people than the institution. And uh, if 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 a particular union is so toxic that it's it's um, it's beginning to affect the sanity of the people in it, then uh, certain other alternatives should be considered. That is the truth, and that is what I believe. Okay. Did I answer your question, uh, Martha, right? Did I answer your question? Yes, yes, yes. Okay, yes, all right, yes. great, thank you. Please, as a final word, I just want us to make a quality decision to live a life that is offense-free. Decide not to be offended, okay? Let's make that decision not to be offended. Jesus said offenses will surely come. They will surely come, but we can decide not to be offended. And if we make that decision and we trust God to help us, He will help us. He will help us. Um, I have seen people that have such a thick skin that you'll be getting angry on their behalf. You'll be one, you'll be getting angry that they are not getting angry. Okay, we can we can all develop to that point. And let's trust God for it. Let's trust God for it because. Um, it's a quality that God expects us to develop and nurture.